five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. on the internet that was a great jay ferguson out on thunder island she was the color of an indian summer and we spent the time hours without number Ooh. so there was a path to that song today they didn't want to start off with that song but we it was a path and it started off with actually robert palmer um, whom I really like a lot as an artist. I think Robert Palmer was great. When he died, I was actually pretty upset because I loved his music and he just seemed like a really cool guy. You know, he was Every Kind of People, which is a tune that he wrote. Although he did hobnob with the rich and famous, he always wore pretty nice suits. Um, spent a lot of time in places like Monte Carlo. So Robert Palmer lived a pretty good life. Even though he got cut short early, Robert Palmer did not get cheated. That's the thing, right? He did not get cheated. He had, you, have you gotten cheated? You have not gotten cheated. Trust me. You, you are in the catbird seat, literally and figuratively. I should start calling him like Jasper Palmer. Oh, speaking of Palmer, I can't tell you. David's coming back to the show, I believe, on the 18th. And we have some very important news to share with you at that point in time, which I'm not going to tell you right now. But I will send out an email to my paid subscriber list. I'm going to do that in the next couple of days and uh, give you some updates here. And uh, let's just say we got some good things in the hopper. Yes, 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 yes. So Robert Palmer has a, was working out yesterday. One of his songs came on my onto my uh, MP3 player, and the song is uh, "Give Me an Inch." It's a great song. You know, Robert Palmer comes out of uh, here. We go geeky music talk. Robert Palmer comes out of the English folk scene, which is kind of odd. He was with a band called Vinegar Joe, and I think they were kind of connected to the whole Canterbury movement, if I'm not mistaken. And Robert Palmer in that incarnation looks very different than Robert Palmer later on. He's like wearing kind of a leather vest, but not a cool leather vest, not like a black leather vest, but kind of like a, you know, leather brown leather, slightly suede brown suede leather vest. Uh, he's wearing like brown trousers that are floods. Like he doesn't look very cool. 
So he starts off with this band, Vinegar Joe, and then he morphs into a solo career. And he goes through these different phases with his solo career. He's got this blue-eyed soul phase, which is the sneaking Sally through the alley, you know, and a little bit of uh, New Orleans style, you know, meters, Neville Brothers. He gets into that for a while. He's got a soulful voice. So he does that. I think Give Me an Inch is on that record, if I'm not mistaken. And then he goes into a reggae phase. He does a record called Pressure Drop, and he does a lot of like ska and reggae stuff, which is, it's not very good. I mean, it's okay. I think maybe every kind of people might come out of that period. I'm not, I'm not entirely certain about that. And then all of a sudden he morphs. He morphs. He begins to take really interesting artistic chances. And there's, there's this transition. Maybe I'll play the song uh, on our way out. It's called You're in My System. And it's an electronic, it's a piece of electronic music, heavily sequenced. And it was, uh, the song itself was from a group called The System, who I believe were from Minneapolis. I could be wrong about that. And there's a guy by the name of Mick Stewart who sings the vocals on it. And so he takes that song, he brings those guys from The System into um, the studio to program the electronics again, but it's better. The Robert Palmer version is way better. I mean, the song itself, You're in My System is really good, but the, you know, the Robert Palmer version is excellent. So he does that, right? And then, and then he's, he's got that um, record uh, that is purely electronic. What is it? Um, the Letters record. Anyway, he's got uh, I Dream of Wires, which is like fucking straight out of Gary Newman. Um, looking for clues. I mean, it's a great record. Really, really, really great record. So Robert Palmer then gets into sort of the hard rock thing. Simply irresistible and uh, you you know, that, that phase, the famous Robert Palmer phase. And then he morphs off and does this thing with the power station. The guys from Duran Duran and, and uh, Nile Rodgers like his whole Nile Rogers project. And that's kind of where Robert Palmer's story, unfortunately ends. It's just after the power station, he was an incredibly um, talented artist, but I couldn't find a version of give me an inch that had a video associated with it. And I almost played you're in my system, but <laughs> I've, I went to Jay Ferguson, who is kind of the American Robert Palmer in some ways. And Jay Ferguson started off with a band called Spirit. And some of you might know that band, and they're really good and very underrated as far as the late 60s, early 70s band goes. And then they branch off and start to do different things. Uh, Jay Ferguson uh, does um, the band Jojo Gun, who have a bit of a minor hit called Run, which is a pretty cool song. I remember the first time I heard it, got in my head, I couldn't get it out. I was a teenager. Uh, and then Randy California, who's also in that band, starts uh, Randy California, Captain Copter and the Verdi Birds. Yeah, one release, independent, pretty good record. Um, and then Jay Ferguson morphs off into Thunder Island and um, 
this whole kind of blue eyed soul place, right. That was going on at that time. Yacht rock. That is a yacht rock tune right there. Total yacht rock tune. So I guess I played the cheap knockoff American version of Robert Palmer with Jay Ferguson. And we looked at him before and he has been writing soundtracks and jingles and um, fairly well-known songs for TV shows. So Jay Ferguson was and has been a pretty viable artist, you know, from the very first spirit record. He never really stopped. He just did something different. Look at the background today. Look at these beautiful women. These women are from Thunder Island. They are the women of Thunder Island. I was looking for something that was uh, Tahitian, like Tahitian dancing girls. That's what I put in today. And this popped. I'm like, wow, what a vibrant image. Right? These women are beautiful. They're electric. They're dynamic. Right? They are BIPOC. It's a strong image to start today's show. How was everybody? Let's check in with uh, the best chat on the internet. Sha la 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 la, my lady. Stinky Uvalde, that's today's show. We're going to go there. We're going we're gonna to air it out. We're going to air out Stinky Uvalde. Let's see. What do we have today? Empath. What's going on? Good to see you. If I had a world of my own, everything would be nonsense. Nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. Contrary-wise, it wouldn't be. And what it wouldn't be, okay, we're there now, I think. This is your world. It would, you see, Lewis Carroll. Okay, there you go. We're living in Lewis Carroll's upside down world. Um, all us in wondering land. Good day, Michael. Okay, curiouser and curiouser. Yes, indeed. We got uh, Cappy Carey. What's going on, Cappy Carey? New to chat. This is uh, my gal, Carrie from Illinois. Good to see you, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Uh, there's my man, Ryan. What's happening, Ryan? Beth B in the house. There's Fran, CC Jones, TJ. I love that Susie the Sea Goddess is back. It's great. Great to see you. Uh, Wendy says the beautiful one is here. Michelle Taylor. We got the we got the uh, the MMA mom from Kentucky. Love Michelle. Nice to see you. Um, let's see, Sony, Sony checking in. There's a man, Steve, Steve, I got your text. I will text you after the show or I'll just call you up. Uh, Miss Nakia, she's here. What's going on? There's my man, DJ MC, Morning Michael, checking in from the uh, left coast. You know, I would, here's what I've been thinking about. I've actually been looking up pirate radio stations. That's what I want to get. I want to get a pirate radio station. Now, you can get units that are basically plug and play. And I got a big fucking antenna out beside, out in the back of my house. So I could get some lift on this thing. I'm telling you that right now. I can get some serious lift on a signal. And you can, you can actually buy these units. They're about 100 watts. So you get a 100 watt unit. Right, you could probably get about 
50 to 75 miles coverage and spread, play some music, do a little pirate radio. That'd be cool, right? Wouldn't that be cool? I've been looking at them. The only problem with those units is that they're all being sold on like Chinese websites. I've had bad luck with Chinese shit, like stuff not being delivered, that sort of thing. So, but I would love, I'd love to have that. That'd be so cool. Okay. Who else do we have? Um, let's see. Hucklebuck. What's going on? Hucklebuck. Good to see you. Got the gummies. Ooh, Carrie got the gummies. Yeah. They're good stuff. I had two last night. So I am doing everything in my power to change my sleep. I, like I, I've got bad sleep habits. And I'm trying to do my best to reprogram my uh, my sleep body. So the gummies help. Half an hour, out go the lights. I listen to, I, I, I put YouTube on and I listen to a video about Napoleon. I'm fascinated with Napoleon now. Like whoever or whatever the story of Napoleon is, it's fucking fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. There's a story about Napoleon. You know, Napoleon came to power with the rise of the French Revolution. And um, if you're listening to the podcast, welcome to. You can always join us, 9, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time over here at 15 Minutes of Flame. Um, so Napoleon came, Napoleon was kind of into the whole revolution thing. Like he looked at Robespierre and said, man, this guy's a badass, right? I mean... Rosepierre, you know, chopping heads and taking names. So something happens, though. Napoleon goes into the army, and um, he's tasked with putting down a rebellion. He's tasked, essentially, Napoleon is tasked with ending the revolution. And one of the things that happened to him is that he saw, you know, what the Jacobins were doing. And they were literally tearing the limbs off of people and Napoleon had been in combat situations and he had never seen anything like this before and it fucking freaked him out he's like the the, the power of the crowd is not good the power of the mob is not good and he was tasked with um, putting the revolution down right it's like enough of this shit you know so they had already They'd already taken Robespierre into, uh, in fact, Napoleon was away fighting a battle, not as Napoleon yet. He hadn't become Napoleon yet. He was still you know, like a, you know, Colonel or Major General, wherever the fuck he was. Um, so he finds out about Robespierre while he's fighting, comes back and the shit is still going on. So they said, you, you got you to gotta stop this. So they had a big wave of like these protesters. And Napoleon was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Okay, hold on one second. Okay, so Napoleon gets these protesters kind of, he funnels them into 
one of their, you know, avenues. And I think actually like tells them to do a charge or some shit like that. Somebody, somebody triggers them to, you know, rush down this one avenue and Napoleon is waiting with cannons, but instead of cannonballs, he uses grape shot, which are small versions. So he loads these cannons. So essentially what he's doing is he's using cannons like a shotgun. And he just completely slaughters the revolutionaries. Like he, I mean, literally Napoleon ends the revolutionary war. He puts it, he puts a stop to it in that one moment. And he became this kind of terrifying figure in in the you know the sort of the, the you know Parisian area like like don't fuck with this guy. It was a total Clint Eastwood moment with the cannons. Anyway, so I listen to some uh, Napoleon before I go to bed. By the way, Napoleon apparently was not as short as people would like apparently that's the the english started that and napoleon was the average height for that time i think he was around five six if i'm not mistaken and people weren't that big like if you were six feet six feet one six foot one i mean you were considered kind of a giant but by those standards so he was he wasn't that small it was a rumor that was started by the english to diminish his physical and historical stature and when you get into Napoleon, you figure out what he did. I mean, France fucking had more territory at one time than theoretical Rome did. Think about that. More territory. And it was only when all these other nations got together and said, we got to stop this guy, that they were able to finally defeat him. All right, who else is here? Isn't Thunder Island great? It's just a fucking great song. Another song he does is uh, All Alone in the End Zone, which I think is off the same album, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jay Ferguson, very underrated. It's an ongoing joke with Jay Ferguson, too. I think he shows up on, what is it, uh, Mystery Science Theater or something like that. He's a meme. Jay Ferguson is a meme. All right, let's see who else do we have. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Kelly B's here. I'm always interested in what Kelly B thinks about the music. Just in time for awesome news. Yay. All right. I tease. Yes, I do tease. We need to we need to percolate the suspense. Because we live in a society now that is too much IG. I'm not talking Instagram. Instant gratification. It's all there at the touch of a finger. All right, who else? Queen Lisa checking in. What's going on, Queen Lisa? We got the Great White North representing Scrubbies. Tamara's here. Just got off my jiggler. Oh, good. Uh, let's see who else do we have. 
Uh, I put the link over on Twitter today. Uh, I think, let's see, brushing with H3O keeps the gun line healthy too. I think you're right. Um, you guys are on the tip. Walter Bosley, also fascinated by Napoleon. Napoleon is a very interesting character. He's not Hitler. A lot of times I want to lump Napoleon into being Hitler. He's not Hitler. He is not Hitler at all. He was made fun of too because he had very rough French. You know, Napoleon is actually from Corsica. So he's Italian by birth and he winds up eventually migrating to France and all the French kids made fun of his accent. It wasn't like classically French. Uh, nothing like the French Revolution to get heads rolling. Wendy, that's very funny. You guys have a good sense of humor. Uh, let's see, anybody else? Equicentric. I think Equa's been in here already, though. I think I'm out of Rocky. H2 tablets on sale today at Mercola Market. Ooh, that's good news. Dirty Napoleon with the shotgun cannon. That's fucking genius, right? Let's not play by the rules. Oh, you guys think that it's just going to happen the way it's always happened? Oh, yeah. You got another thing coming. Uh, the esoteric Napoleon. Yeah. So Napoleon, again, this is, this came from my very first spiritual teacher who knew a few things. He really knew a few things. And he said that Napoleon was actually a student of Saint-Germain, the real Saint-Germain, the guy that was running around the courts of Europe. And, you know, it's really weird when you get into that story because there are people who are pretty ecumenical. Let's call them ecumenical. And they'll look at the story of Saint-Germain and say, well, he's evil. He's evil. That's the devil. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there are some people who have figured out how to live for a very long time. And I think he's one of them. Whether And whether or not he's an ascended master, I mean, that's a whole other story. But you know, he probably figured out how to live a very long time. And Steve posted something, I think, about, um, what is it, um, walking your clock back six years. I've been seeing more material about this, about walking your clock back your biological clock. So there's there's a theory that the, the key is your thymus. And the thymus is really interesting because it only really theoretically works until you're about 13. It's one of those, it's kind of like the Iron Man energy pack inside your body that helps you with your immune system when you're young. Like nature, God, creation has an investment in young people. It's like, come on, we want to see you get to a certain age so you can grow, proliferate, propagate, right? Investment in young life, new creation, creation in general. So the thymus helps young people stay in the game. Now, after a certain period of time, it gets turned off. It's not really 
useful. In fact, my mother who arrives today has no thymus. She had to have hers removed because she had a you know, cancerous mass on her thymus. This was back in early 2000s. That's kind of a weird story too, actually. Life is fucking weird, okay? We're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you the weird story. This is the weird story from the, uh, from the annals of Robert Phoenix. So my mother has thymus cancer. And my parents were very secretive. Like they didn't really tell me how bad it was. That there was a, that there was a high probability that, that it was malignant and that she would die. So this was um, 2002, the early part of 2002. I just moved from the Bay Area to Southern California and just started working at a new job, right? Well, it was the same job at a new company. And all of a sudden, my mother gets cancer and she's in the hospital. So I was like, okay, well, I should probably go see her. And I think it was on a Friday uh, when, I, when, I, when I caught the flight, I went to uh, the airport and uh, went from San Diego to Sacramento. Um, and because my company, or it's not my company, the company I work for, we just moved merged, had a merger with another company. So our little division or our little group, maybe about 10 people strong, most got swallowed up by a big company. At the end of the day, that little 10 person group got bought out by another company and we reemerged from that merger and continued to um, be a fairly viable business for a period of time. So we were supposed to go out and have drinks with the new people and blah, 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 right? That was, that was the plan. It was on a Friday. So I walked up to um, the guy who was running our little division. And I said, hey, I, I can't make it today. Uh, you know, my mother has cancer and um, I got to go. I got to go catch, catch a plan to go see her. Like, okay. So unbeknownst to me, there was a woman standing right there because my mind was in a different place. I didn't really see her, but I knew who she was. I just didn't see her in that moment. And she overheard what I had to say. Now, this is a weird moment in time because if she's not there in that moment, a lot of things don't happen. Um, the reason why it's important is because her mother had died less than two years before that. So she's got a soft spot for a deceased mother and still really working through it and trying to heal her relationship with that. She overhears me and all of a sudden there's like this sympathetic connection. And then eventually I go and see her and it was kind of a fuck story. And she had her thymus removed. She's lucky to be alive, actually. Um, but then, because of that moment, that woman who was there, unbeknownst to me, who overheard my story, we eventually wound up getting married. Okay, and it's that moment has plays a big role in that moment. Had she not been there. Had my mother not had cancer, 
there's a very good chance that I'm not here in Texas talking to you today because of the series of events that happened as a result of that. So the reason I'm sharing this story is that you just never know, right? We, we, we deal, we do our best to uh, take these random and chaotic things in our lives and try to create some sense and some order around them because that's what we're here to do to some, some extent. Although I do like a little chaos, don't get me wrong. I've never uh, shirked away from some chaos, but we don't know how these things are going to play out as a result of the theoretical randomness of life. You know, something as mundane as that moment and being overheard in that moment can absolutely change the course and direction of one person's destiny. And that's exactly what happened. So getting back to the thymus, apparently if you can re-stimulate the thymus, and they've done this, if you can re-stimulate the thymus, they've, they have noticed that people's biological clocks can be turned back by, by two years. There's another two-year thing. I think it was 18 months to two years. One of, the, one of the ways that they figured out how to do this has to do with fecal matter that is connected to babies, right? And figuring out how to use that like super dense, super nutrient dense fecal matter to hyperstimulate the immune system and to boost it back up again. Because the, the result of aging has to do with the breakdown of immunity in the body. When your immune system breaks down, what happens? You age faster. That's just the way it is. And what are we seeing now as a result of COVID-19? We're seeing a lot of people die in their fucking 60s. Okay, that's not good. That is not good. I would not be surprised if Ray Liotta was vaccinated, by the way. Died in his sleep. How many times have we heard about people dying in their sleep? Oh, he died in his sleep. Oh, well, good. Probably one of the better ways to go if you're going to go. Just transition right through your sleep. But I'm pretty convinced that he was, he, was, uh, he was jabbed up. And now people's immune system is completely compromised. We've got hundreds of millions. We've got billions of people. I would say maybe who knows what the actual fucking population of the world is. But let's just say for shits and giggles, it might be 6 billion, maybe. I'm not sure about those numbers. But let's just say for sake of argument that it is. Did half the world get vaccinated, 20%? I'm thinking around 25%, maybe 30 A lot of people in Africa didn't get vaccinated. There's a lot of people in South America that are not get vaccinated. I can tell you that right now. Bolsonaro basically said, you know, Fuck that. We're not playing that game. Bolsonaro is a badass, by the way. I don't think he's controlled opposition. I think they want to get rid of him. He didn't sign the whole thing with the WF and and, uh, and the WHO. He's like, fuck that. I'm not signing that. He's an Aries. I mean, Bolsonaro is a badass. Brazil, you probably don't deserve him. Although maybe some of you do. I'm not sure how many people listen to Brazil. But getting back to the thymus, if you can 
stimulate your thymus, figure out how to re-engage your thymus, you can, you can basically reverse a year and a half to two years on your biological clock. And I think that there, and when we get into like the, the nodes too, this is a real nodal kind of um, dialogue because Taurus is the body, right? It's the body, it's health, it's connects us to the earth, it's carbon, that's Taurus. When we get into Scorpio in the South Node, we look at, well, what is the cause of death? And death isn't just somebody, you know, winding up six feet under. I mean, you know, you know how, do, how do your uh, biological conditions contribute to your slow death, right? Like this whole thing with immunity and um, uh, the, the inflammatory agents, right? Oxidation stress, I mean, all these things contribute to your body working double time, triple time, quadruple time. And what if your body didn't have to do that? What if your body had uh, a, a, an agency, whether it's your thymus or, you know, tapping into something else where all of a sudden it doesn't have to work as hard? Well, what's going to happen? Well, it's a good chance you're going to live longer because you're not taxing your system. It's like a car. You know, if you take care of your car, and you change your oil and you change, you know, the, the power steering fluid, the brake fluid, the trans, you know, and you do all that shit in most cars, most modern cars. Now you'd be able to get 250,000 miles on them, depending on the car. But if, if it's a Toyota, you get 300,000. Why? Because the car is having to, it doesn't have to work as hard to get you to go from one point to another. When all those things don't get taken care of or tended to, the car works harder puts a strain on the engine and the engine begins to lose its life, right? That's why it's important to change all the fluids, simple stuff. The body's the same thing. So I think it's interesting that we're talking about things like uh, age reversal. Okay. We're going to get into Uvalde. We're going to talk about the stinky. I call it the stinky Uvalde because there's something. Uvalde, the name or the word Uvalde Sounds like it could be like I don't want to diss Uvalde too much, but it sounds like in maybe Spanish, probably right. It sounds like, oh man, you got a stinky Uvalde. You got to clean your Uvalde up, brother. Right? That's what it kind of feels like. I always felt like the word junta, which basically is like a word for you know a putch or an overthrow was like another word for a pussy like a junta Ooh, that is like a hot hot junta going on there but that was just a my you know teenaged uh, adult-brained adolescent mind it was like oh junta because it sounds a little like well i'm not gonna go there but uvalde is another one of those words that's like ooh. like if, if you hadn't heard of uvalde and i said hey you know, you've got a stinky Uvalde, or your your Uvalde is re really needs some detoxing. You probably go, "Wow, what is Uvalde?" Well, it's a little known organ in your body. Everybody's got one; they just don't really know about it. So, it does feel stinky, though, right? It's like the word "stinky" and the Uvalde they they work together. 
because something very stinky is going on in Uvalde. By the way, the uh, thumbnail for today's show, that's a Uvalde cop. In Texas, we have these things called blue bonnets and they bloom in the you know, early part of spring and everybody's fucking parks on the side of the road and everybody lays down in the blue bonnets, put your little kid in the blue bonnet, and blue bonnet picture, which I've never really understood. I mean, I do understand it, but it's like, I'm not going to get on the side of the road and play the blue bonnet game. I don't roll like that. Anyway, that's him. And there's more pictures. I'll show you more pictures of the blue bonnet. The blue, Mr. Mr. Blue Bonnet. There's a lot of stinky shit happening in Uvalde. We're going to get into it. Um, we got to talk about our sponsor. And people are having such great results with Chris's products, I have to say. And, I, and I'm not just saying that, right? I'm not just hyping this stuff. People tell me all the time that it's really good. Of course, I am a fan of the gummies. Uh, they are probably one of the best sleep aids I've run across. I, you know, every now and then I'll use melatonin. Whenever I get up from melatonin, I just feel really wrung out. And it takes me a good hour to, you know, try to clear the cobwebs from my head. I don't have the same thing happen with the gummies. I wake up and today I woke up at 6.30. I went to bed at, at uh, for me, early. Went to bed at midnight last night. That's early for me. And I got six and a half hours sleep, which is really, I think, all that I really need. And I got up and I felt rested. And then the next thing I know, I've got... Um, Mr. Astro Cat on my chest looking to get fed. If you want to improve the quality of your life, and sleep is a big part of this thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm still trying to reprogram my sleep clock. But if you want, you want to improve the quality of your life, which is uh, dealing with things like inflammation, and I, you know, I think there's a lot more benefits to CBD than just that. Um, but the inflammation part, the pain part, really good with the gummies, of course, the sleep part. So if you go to truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23 backslash spend hundred dollars, Chris will throw you some free product and just type in 15 mins, one five M I N S and you will be uh, you'll be, you'll, he'll know that you're coming from this website. Okay. All right. I just hit you in the head with my cup. Are you okay? He's fine. So we have another feral cat who's uh, made friends with me. And uh, well, as, as much as a feral cat can make friends with you. So I feed her. I'm pretty sure it's a her. I feed her whenever she comes by, which is a few times a week. But I noticed that she's hanging out down at the, down at the winery, down at the shitty winery down the road where they have their infamous frozen peach wine. That place does fucking banging business. I'm telling you on the weekends it's packed and they have a food truck there. I think they were doing sliders for a while. Now they're doing lobster rolls. 
They got a band. I mean, some people might like it. I was there one time. I didn't even live here. I was there one time. Great branding called Fat Ass Winery. Great branding. But as far as winery goes, speaking of wineries, what about fucking Paul Pelosi? Whoa. Right. Are you, have you guys been following this? Of course, nothing will happen to him. But Paul Pelosi was pulled over in his Porsche. He got he had gotten into a wreck. He had gotten into a wreck apparently earlier that night. And um, the guy that he got into a wreck with was driving a Jeep. And his name was Jesus. That's a sign, Paul. That's a sign. Of course, his name was really Jesus. But it's Jesus. That's a sign, Paul. You better you better get right with Jesus. So he gets into a wreck. He's got a Porsche. And then he gets pulled over. They fucking wait four and a half hours for him to do the breathalyzer. Now, look. I've had a DUI before. I'm not proud of it. But that was a long time ago. And I don't drink anymore. Well, every now and then, occasionally, just slightly, I might have a beer. Or I might have a glass of red wine. Very occasionally. Just full disclosure. But back in 2000 and um, 2001, kind of an epic year. Actually, I think it was, it was 2001. I got a, I, I got hit with a DUI, right? Now, I thought I was being really clever because they wanted to hit me with a breathalyzer right away. Well, my last name wasn't Pelosi. So I didn't qualify for the four and a half hour break. Jeez. So I said, well, I want to get a blood test because I knew that that was an option. And they're like, yeah, okay, good. All right, well, you're going to sit in the fucking cop car until the phlebotomist shows up. And um, we can do that. For me, it was about two and a half hours. And I'm thinking, well, gee, you know, I can game the system here a little bit. Because I remember somebody telling me, like, well, if you ever get pulled over, get the blood test. Okay. So I got the blood test. And California had changed its um, legal limit to 0.08. It used to be 0.10. And ultimately, that's what my my blood was at, 0.10. So technically, based on the old California standard, that's, you know, it would have been very fuzzy, gray area, very gray area. Now, when I was working with my lawyer, he said, look, if you test at 0.10 or whatever, they have the ability to go back in time and, um, you know, re- retro assemble uh, what your blood alcohol level was. So if you were 0.10 at, I don't know, um, when did I get that done? It's probably about 2.30 in the morning, 3 in the morning. And I was still buzzed. I can tell you that right now. I was buzzed. I was pissed and buzzed. Anyway. Um, I guess in some countries, pissed and buzz would be the same thing. But if you were to go back when they when they first pulled me over, which was probably about eleven thirty at night, ten thirty at night, it was really that long. My blood alcohol was probably a lot higher. But they can they have a way of going back and reassembling that. 
They could fucking do that with Paul Pelosi if they wanted to. They could say, well, he blew this uh, four and a half hours after he was pulled over. But then, what was he really at, right, when he was pulled over? They can do that. That's forensics. It's like forensics. So that's weird. He got into a wreck earlier that night. And then he gets pulled over coming out of the Pelosi winery. Well, there's also a dirty little rumor that he had a passenger. And apparently, he, I think he or they wound up going to a local hospital. And I think it had to do with this, this wreck thing. I could be wrong in terms of sequencing. It is a Mercury retrograde. But uh, <laughs> apparently he had a, a young woman in the car with him. Now you can't, nobody says you can't have a young woman. But um, the weird thing about Paul Pelosi was that when he was 16 years old, he was driving, his brother was in the passenger seat who was 19 and Paul Pelosi was driving like a fucking madman. And they got into Iraq. His brother died. So Paul Pelosi was in an accident at 16. Apparently his brother was telling him to slow down. You know, like he, and his brother had had some kind of a neck injury due to a diving accident. So he had a neck brace on. And then what happened was when the car got into an accident, I think the seatbelt or something wound up suffocating him with this neck brace and Paul Pelosi has some injuries but he lives to tell the tale so Paul Pelosi and cars not a good mix and some people will say well you know that was like a sacrifice could be could be Laura Bush killed her uh, killed her ex-boyfriend killed her ex-boyfriend like, how fucking weird is that? A lot of people don't know this story, but when she was in high school, she was 17 years old and she was driving and she was at an intersection. Who crosses the intersection? The star quarterback and the high school football team who happened to be her ex-boyfriend. And what does she do? Slams into him, kills him. Whoops. Do you think that if, if that was somebody random Somebody she didn't know that the same thing would have happened? I don't know. I don't know. Now, the rumor is that she was also drunk. I don't know about that. But I do know that she killed a guy, that the guy was her ex-boyfriend, and um, she walked. Paul Pelosi will walk, just like um, Sussman walked. Who didn't see that coming? They're not going to give up the goods. They're not going to arrest anybody. Let's talk about Uvalde, stinky Uvalde. First of all, they are going to now demolish Rob Elementary. Bet you didn't see that coming, huh? They're gonna they're gonna tear the school down. Oh, can't have that school now. Oh, bad vibes. And it's called destroying the evidence. And then uh, the police chief, his name is Arredondo. You know, he's the guy with the white hat 
that guy, he just got sworn in as a city council member. How does that fucking happen? They had to swear him in and they had to swear him in in private. Sounds like Fredericksburg. By the way, I have a Fredericksburg story. Maybe I'll tell it before the show's over. Um, how the fuck does a police chief also serve on the city council? That's just weird. It's like too much of a concentration of power in a lot of ways. So now what is he going to do? Well, he can vote to kill things. Like all you need is a quorum. You need three people out of five. He's a swing vote. You know, so if they want to bury the evidence, they want to, whatever they want to do or need to do, he is now in the mix. And there are people who believe that he's a Mason. Like the white hat is a Masonic thing. It could be. Could be. Um, the amount of lodges, Freemasonic lodges, let me if I can find this. Uh, the amount of Freemasonic lodges in Texas is nuts. Absolutely nuts. I'll bring it back tomorrow. I'll show you. I'll, I don't want to get it right now, but there's a pin. It's like a pin map. And they have the compass in the square. And every fucking town has a lodge. Texas is a big Freemasonic state. Huge Freemasonic state. You go down the road here to the um, Texas Rangers Center. It's like a thing that was created for the Texas Rangers. Well, they're always selling Freemasonic memorabilia there or Freemasonic, you know, gear, swag. Most states are probably Freemasonic, but Texas, boom, it's thick. So is there a Freemasonic thing going on in Uvalde? They keep secrets, right? Good at keeping secrets. So now they're going to demolish the school. Now this guy, um, Arredondo, is it Arredondo or Arenado? One of the two. Um, now he's a city council person. You have the husband of one of the teachers there who supposedly dies of a heart attack a few days after. Like, what the fuck is going on here? The city of Uvalde is no longer communicating with Greg Abbott. They're like, nope, we're done. You're not getting any more information out of us. And apparently Abbott is livid. I believe that's probably true. He's a Scorpio. He's a control freak. If he wasn't in on it, he probably is pissed off. Right? He's probably really fucking pissed off. So there's a lot of high stink with Uvalde. And it's one of those tipping point moments. And they're doing everything in their power to move this agenda forward. You know, we've got Biden now saying that they've got to ban nine millimeter weapon because it can blow a lung out. Yeah, it's probably not the only caliber that can blow a lung out. Joe, sleepy Joe. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. And it's just getting weirder. Here, I'll show you the, um, if I can find this thing. Uh, Masaki sent me. It's fucking, 
It's just nuts. Look, I'm a, anybody can have any kind of fucking lifestyle they want, all right? As long as they don't fuck with kids. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is fucking gay. This is just fucking gay. Corporal Villa stepped up and represented the Uvalde Police Department on the popular hashtag Blue Bonnet Challenge. Corporal Villa took several photos and one perfect one could not be chosen. We take pride in joining the challenge and challenge the Uvalde County Sheriff's Office to join in the cause. Now one could say, oh, isn't that cool? He's not taking himself too seriously. And we need more police officers who can sort of mind being queer. But the world would be better off if we have more queer miming in our uh, police force. But this is fucking weird, right? There's so much high strange around this thing. It's not going away. Even Tucker Carlson is asking questions about the gear, the ammo, all the things that are not really being, the questions that are not being answered. We started asking those questions from day one. I think last night or the night before, Tucker had the laundry list, right? I've done the math on it. You, in terms of the ammo, which I've broken down, is upwards of $2,100 based on the theoretical amount of rounds he had. That's $2,100 for the ammo. For somebody who doesn't uh, go to the range or shoot, it's a lot of ammo, a lot of money. We broke down the guns, minimum 5,500, probably closer to 7,000 for the guns. So now we're up around almost 10K, throwing 1,000 for the body armor, it's 11,000. Um, and what else are we missing out there? So it's about $11,000 in guns, gear, ammo, throwing a $60,000 truck. That's uh, $70,000. And there's just like a lot of high strange. The stories are being changed. Timelines are being changed. Um, you know, the, uh, the grandmother who got shot in the face. Remember her? Well, supposedly after she got shot in the face, she called the fucking cops. How do you get shot in the face and call the cops? Like, how does that happen? Your grandmother, you're shot in the face. Would it go through a cheek or something? I mean, that must be one fucking tough grandmother. Let me tell you. If she's like that, then how did this, you know, little twerp get away with what he got away with, theoretically? That was a badass grandma. So there's, again, just more, more of just the high, high strange with this. And it stinks. It absolutely fucking stinks. And it's the South. We've got the South noted Scorpio. I just don't think it's going to go away. And they can run another event because they buried the Buffalo thing very quickly. Very, very quickly. Let me see if I can find any more uh, of these strange anomalies around Uvalde. we got a huge gun control package moving forward. We knew that was coming. They're going after it. They are going after it. New York Times collecting names and addresses of conspiracy theorists. How about that? You see where all this is going? 
Do you know someone who believes in conspiracy theories? We want to hear about it. Here we go. The crackdown on truth has hit maximum overdrive. Stuart A. Thompson. Conspiracy theories have become increasingly common problem in the United States. From the QAnon movement to the misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines, many Americans have accepted ideas that are not backed by science or fact. We're interested in speaking to people who at one point believed the conspiracy theories and other kinds of disinformation, but have since reconsidered their views, as well as with people who currently hold those views. If you, a friend or a family member believes or once believed in a conspiracy theory or part of the QAnon movement or joined an online community to share misinformation, we'd like to hear from you. Your experiences will help us understand conspiracy theories in the United States. Blah, 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 blah. We should, we should, uh, I might hack that. So speaking of hacking, I was on the phone yesterday with uh, the Leo King, David, and um, he got a visit from the FBI. Some of you might know that. Fucking weird, right? Really weird. Apparently somebody who doesn't like him um, filed out, a, filled out a police report in Orange County, Florida. And under the name of David Palmer and said that he was going to um, kill a bunch of people and then kill himself. True story. And uh, David, David's already talked about this with his group, so I can talk about it. And of course, there's no jurors. First of all, the person is like pretty moronic. And David doesn't live in Orange County, Florida. He lives in Orange County, California. So because the Orange County police in Florida have no jurisdiction in California, who do they call? They call the one department that has jurisdiction, which is the FBI. So the FBI gets in contact with David. What's going on? Who are you? What is this about? You know, I guess their meeting lasted somewhere between a half an hour, 45 minutes. And they were done. Case closed. This is where we are. This is, you know, pretty, pretty scary shit. When people can, you know, do that. I mean, they've done it to Tim Pool, like, what, five or six times. And people called in these weird swap moments with Tim Pool. It's just, you know. And I'll tell you how, I'll tell you what this is going to, how this is going to morph. If this becomes more and more of a problem, they will require some form of identification before you do anything, like before you access any service, you're going to have to either produce a thumbprint, a palm print, or a retinal scan. That's coming. You're going to have to prove who you are. Probably have to do it on the internet too. So we're headed into incredibly intense times because they want to disassemble the two pillars of the constitution, the first amendment and the second amendment. And as I mentioned before, they go hand in glove. And by the way, I think a, a low key, low key Thor, low key, what, who, 
Loki is home Loki. Text um, posted yesterday in chat that they thought that the Grant Cohn Javon Kinlaw thing was WWE. No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. Javon Kinlaw was losing his shit. He was losing his shit, and he was spitting food out, and it was, you know, it, it was it was not. There was no going to be no benefit for anybody in that. Like Grant's ratings were not going to go up. In fact, he I think he actually lost people. And Javon Kenwell does not come out looking like a sympathetic character either. So it was, I don't think it was hype. I don't think it was a Rowdy Roddy Piper moment uh, at all. But, you know, what we saw there was the First Amendment and the Second Amendment being connected. Theoretically, like Grant was writing about him or he wasn't even really writing about him. Like Grant doesn't even write anymore. He would talk about the 49ers and he questioned whether or not Javon Kinlaw will be a productive player because he has an arthritic knee. And, you know, he may be smarmy, but fuck, he can do that. Like if you're Javon Kinlaw, you know, and apparently your, your nuts are way bigger than Grant's, well, fucking nut up and go play and be better. Don't go over to him on the sidelines and knock his hat off. Although I will say that in some ways that does represent in a very tepid way, the relation between the first and the second amendment. And in that moment, Javon Kinlaw bared his arm, knocked his cap off. In a less polite society, it probably would have been worse. And the politeness in our society is going right out the door. The weird thing about that is that on the one hand, uh, they are clamoring for some level of decorum. Like, oh, don't go there. You're a hater. You're a hater. You're just, you're just trolling people. You know, so, so they're asking for some level of decorum. Grow up, be more mature. On the other hand, right? On the other hand, they want the freedom to express themselves in any way, shape, or form in their own way. Like Grant has his father on the show and um, it was posted, the interview with his father from last week, Lowell Cohn is a writer, um, was posted on Twitter and somebody in Twitter posted, um, don't you wish you had pulled out? Like how fucked up is that? Like. You're, you're telling his father on Twitter, don't you wish you'd pulled out? But at the same time, what they want is order and decorum from Grant and other people who might say things that are maybe not as nice or as comfortable or as buddy-buddy, chummy-chummy as they want. This is, this is the world we live in with these kind of extreme oxymoronic um, you know, perspectives. It's ridiculous. So if they've got a thing now with the this big gun package, I guarantee you there'll be another event. They need one more thing to push that across the line. One more event to push it right across the line. And wait for Mars to conjunct with Chiron that is, I think, 
the litmus test. That is the litmus moment. We're going to find out what Americans are made of here pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. All right. Um, I've got some buffalo shit. That sounds funny, doesn't it? I have some buffalo shit. There's a story recently. If I can find it. Where do you guys see this? Oh, where is it? Um, hold on. Here we go. Check this out. This is yesterday. We're gonna need a video. Guess not. Check this out. Yellowstone visitor dies after bison gores her, tosses her 10 feet. So we've got 10. Right, so a woman from Ohio had come within 10 feet of a female bison, and then the bison tosses her 10 feet. A woman visiting Yellowstone National Park died after a bison gored her and tossed her into the air. Park officials said Tuesday, the 25-year-old woman who was visiting from Ohio was not identified in a news release from the National Park Service. The woman approached the female bison Monday morning after it came close to a boardwalk at Black Sand Basin, near Old Faithful Geyser. Park rules require visitors to remain more than 25 yards from the animal. The largest mammals in North America, which are unpredictable, can uh, reach top speeds. Writing here is terrible, can top speeds? It's like reach top speeds of 35 miles per hour and can jump several feet. An estimated 2,300 to 5,500 bison live at the park and they have injured more people than any other animal, the park said. Nobody's talking about banning bison. Maybe we should ban bison from Yellowstone. When a visitor came within 10 feet of the animal, the bison impaled her and tossed her 10 feet in the air, the park said. The woman sustained puncture wounds and other injuries and was taken to a hospital in Idaho. The service said it wasn't clear where she died. In the air, at the, air, at the hospital, not clear. Two other people were also close to the animal when it gored the woman, the park said. The release didn't say whether they were injured. The park warned people to stay 25 yards away from bison, elk, bighorn, sheep, and moose, and at least 100 yards away from bears and wolves. Oh, isn't that interesting? So on the same page, we have Texas police, school police chief. So he's in contact with state investigators about Evaldi shooting. How weird is that, right? Woman gets gored by a bison. We've been talking about the whole 
bull theme, the bull meme. It's very, very prevalent. So yesterday, it was one of those days where you, know, you kind of float around the internet and all of a sudden something pops into your head. And um, I went to Golda Meir's Wikipedia page. So some of you may know who Golda Meir was. She was a prime minister, I guess, from Israel. I think the only woman they've ever had. So I'm like, okay, well, let me do a little bit of a deep dive on Golda Meir. Well, yours truly looked up my year online and try to get some um, definitions of the word in Hebrew. What I found was pretty interesting. It leads us into another strange circular path with the buffalo and the bison. So let me show you what I found. Israel, environment, and nature, buffalo. Buffalo, Hebrew, Mary, Marie, AV, fat cattle or fatling. Animal, which in biblical times was sacrificed and the flesh eaten. 2 Samuel 16, 1 Kings 1, 9, 19. So buffalo the fat cattle or the fatling is a sacrificial animal from this tradition. So let's go a little bit further here. The Dead Sea Scroll text of Isaiah 11.6 has Yimru instead of Mary, they shall pasture. For the Masoretic reading, my ear, I'm like, oh, gold in my ear. And this corresponds to the uh, Septuagint reading. The reference is to water buffalo. The Bubalis, Bubalis, which until the end of the 1940s roamed in the Hule Marsh where the Bedouin reared it for food. It is also reared in the Bethea Valley at the foot of the Golan Heights, the biblical Bashan, which was famed for its buffaloes, Ezekiel 39:18. So buffaloes show up in the Bible and primarily in the Fertile Crescent. The buffalo originates from a wild species found in India. It is a powerful animal, suitable for work. It was employed in Eris, Israel for plowing. In addition to the identification of the Mary with the buffalo, see also Bible translation of uh, Sariagayon, uses the Arabic word Yamuz. Some have identified the buffalo with the Teo, listed as a clean animal. So they get into the whole clean, unclean animal thing. And which Isaiah mentions as being caught in a net, 5120. This identification is improbable, however, since in Eras Israel, it was domesticated and not a wild animal. So they get into this whole thing with die between a domesticated and a wild animal. Okay. So I thought this was really interesting. Now, um, Equicentric had sent me a text yesterday, and it had to do with, um, oh, God, what's his name? The Christian guy. Jeffrey Doherty. And Jeffrey Doherty had gone back into Isaiah and was looking at the inversion. And Jeffrey's idea is that 
the wolf is demonized and the sheep is lionized and the lion is in there as well. Right. And he thinks that it's all inverted and that really the, the animal of God is the wolf and not the sheep. So Jeffrey's playing around with some things, but she had sent me that. And before she had sent me that and the whole Isaiah thing, I had been here and I'd looked this up. So then I decided to look at, uh, well, if Meyer or Meyer is another name for Buffalo, well, who was Golda Meyer? And I may get into more of this tomorrow, but um, when you look at Golda Meyer and her life, she's born, by the way, in Ukraine. She's born in Kiev. Sound familiar? Moves to the United States, grows up for a period of time in Milwaukee, takes a high school year to spend with her sister in Denver, where she's radicalized. I'll probably get into her life more tomorrow. But she's radicalized with Zionism, socialism, and feminism. The big three. Most Zionists are communists. I'm just telling you that right now. Most Zionists are communists. They get their start in communism. And, of course, they're indoctrinated in the kibbutz and all kinds of other shit, right? So I'm reading about gold in my ear. And without gold in my ear, Israel, as we know, it probably does not exist. Because after it claimed its independence, she went to the United States. She'd been living there for a while. She made the aliyah went and moved to uh, Israel and was in the Palestinian area of Israel. So she is sent, I believe, by either David Ben-Gurion or Moshe Dayan or one of those characters. I think it's Ben-Gurion. Sends her to the United States and says, look, we need some money. Didn't send her to Big Daddy Rothschild, but sends her to the United States and says, we need some money. And Ben-Gurion was thinking maybe she comes back with $500,000, maybe a million dollars. She comes back with 50 fucking million dollars. And what do they do? They buy weapons. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the quote-unquote Muslims slash Arabs, they call them Arabs, call them Muslims, um, decide that they're going to want their land back. And what happens? They start a war. They lose the war. Why? Because Israel's armed to the teeth at $50 million. $50 fucking million. In that time, that's a lot of money. So they bought the best weapons. They bought rocket launchers. They bought tanks. You know, they, they bought whatever they needed because if there was going to be an uprising, which there was, they would need to be able to put it down, which they did, and therefore secure the nation state of Israel. So Golda Meir plays a huge role in this. And I went to a Wikipedia page. And remember now the definition of Meir from the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Isaiah version of the Dead Sea Scrolls is a bull. It's a water buffalo, right? What sign do you think she is? She's a fucking Taurus, born May 3rd. And there is this weird um, thing between her and Johnson, Lyndon Johnson. And I know that they are not the same people, okay? I know that. I get it. But when you look at them, 
there's a story here. Like, what is the story? Look at the schnozzes. Now, Johnson has a cleft chin. She doesn't. And she was like, what? 4'11", 5 feet, tiny, always fucking smoking, always hunchbacked. But look at the two of them. Separated at birth. So what is this really telling us? Well, I'll tell you what it's telling us. Is Johnson is Jewish. And I'm not the only one who's noticed that. I'm just telling you, he's Jewish. What does he do in his uh, role here in the state of Texas? And later on as president, he opens the floodgate to political prisoners or people that are being persecuted in Russia to come here. Now, are Orthodox Russians being persecuted? Oh, you're damn straight they are. Are they the ones that come to the United States? No. No, the ones who come to the United States are Jewish. They're persecuted. By the way, Golda Meir went to Moscow and she went to Temple in Moscow. So for her to be able to do that and go to Temple in Moscow, they're not all that persecuted. Trust me. They're not all that persecuted. But that's what happened. So Johnson says, okay, come on in. And where do they show up? In Texas, in Galveston, huge Jewish population in Galveston. And it's it, it really, this is like um, from like the late 50s, late 50s onward. And I, in, you know, I lived in the Bay Area and we had a lot of uh, uh, Russian Jewish friends who had done that. Right? So I was, I was connected to that community. And there, you know, there are thousands of them that lived in San Francisco and they all live in the avenues and they've completely transformed. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these people. Please, you have to understand that. A lot of them are really good people. And But, but I'm just giving you like a notice, right? This is what happened. But they didn't send out the persecuted Christians or the persecuted Orthodox. Did not do that. They just said, okay, we got all these if you were Jewish and you just wanted to leave, easy. And guess what? When you got to the United States, you got money. You got money. You got health care. You got health care. And you got a monthly stipend. How do I know? Because I knew these people. Um, what's his name? Uh, the guy who wrote uh, Dr. Shivago. I knew his, I knew his nephew. Gregory, I knew his nephew. And that guy was getting like $2,500, $3,000 a month, every fucking month. And he got, you got medical benefits too. That's just one person. Pasternak, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Boris Pasternak's nephew. I, I knew him. Sweet old guy. I used to get drunk with these people. I used to get shit-faced. They had vodka. I had to have the vodka to eat their fucking food. The food is disgusting. I'm sorry. No offense to anybody who's Russian here or who likes um, pickled and creamed and fish. and ugh. Gross. I'm into raw food, but that's a little it always was, didn't sit well in my stomach. So I had to get drunk in order to eat the food. It was a good excuse. Um, 
All right, I think I'm out of here for today. I don't know when the stench from Uvalde is going to abate. It'll abate when they have the next thing. And they'll have the next thing when they decide that they need to get this uh, legislation pushed across. It's going to be, it's going to be, when you have a guy like John Voigt, who's been Mr. Proto-Conservative, he was one of the guys in Hollywood where you know, they had a secret conservative group that would meet. He was one of them. When he comes out and starts stumping for gun control, you know that we're in a different place, different territory. We're going to find out what we're made of real quick here. All right. I'm out of here. For myself and the uh, astrological cat, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. Oh, did I want to play a song? What was I going to play? How about that Robert Palmer song? I don't have enough time. Let's go out on that, shall we? Let's do that. You're in my system. Robert Palmer. Two minutes and 53 seconds long. Pure fucking electronic pop bliss. Let's do it. Here we go. Tribute to Robert Palmer. The late, great Robert Palmer.
There's some esoteric and occult shit in there. Well, I'm going to have to break that down a little bit. We got a couple of twin pillars, right? We got the star, the neon star. Interesting stuff. Very interesting. All right. You're in my system. Take good care. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow.